Hello, trying to record this podcast again keeps closing on me because um, basically I'm recording such an awesome podcast that it feels intimidated. Um, anyway, there's this article um, coming from Quantum Magazine. They said, does time really flow? Clues come from an old, the century-old approach to math. You know, it's basically saying what I was saying, which is that time is an illusion, the passage of time, which is true. But we're, ab- we're already above time, you know, like a only thing that I said, uh, you know, in the previous, as I said in the previous ones, the only thing that we experience is um, the creations of human beings. The only thing that is time relevant. Everything else is just on a cycle. And so we're experiencing a type of infinity. And I mean... We do die, and I think that is where there is truth in time for us. But um, Strangely, although we feel as though we sweep through time on the knife edge between the past and open future, that edge present appears nowhere in the existing laws of physics. That's because... <laughs> Come on, guys. Really, if, if, any, if, if there's any lack of presence, it's because we are lacking presence. Um, so, in Albert Einstein's theory of relativity, for example, time is woven together with with the three dimensions of space, forming a bendy four-dimensional space-time continuum, a block universe, encompassing the, the entire past, present, future. Einstein's equations portray everything in the block universe as decided from the beginning. The initial condition of the cosmos comes later. Surprises do not occur. They only seem to I already said most of this. Um, it's not that they seem to. They, they, I mean, surprises do occur to humans, but just not to anyone else. Uh, the timeless, predetermined view of reality. Some blah, 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 blah. If someone is called on to reflect a bit more deeply about what block universe means, they start to question and wave on the implications. Okay, so it's philosophical. But I'm sure it gets into some of the science, and they realize probably in here um, what I was saying. I'm scrolling through it. A real number with infinite digits can't be physically relevant. Okay. Um, that's interesting. Say the value of X is 0.4999. Where further digits unfurled, maybe the sequence. So the nines will continue forever. This fact, standard true, less by finite. Interesting. We cannot say that x is less than one half, nor we can say it equals one half. Well, you can definitely say it's less than one half. It's never going to. If you had a, a number that was 4.999, three nines, <coughs> and you were trying to decide if that was less than 0.5, of course it's less than 0.5. Even if it was infinite, I think the idea of infinity. Um, we somehow think that 
quantity is related to infinity where it is, but not within the realms of your understanding. Let's think about the physical manifestation of an infinite decimal. What, where, where does that gain relevance? In infinite, infinite, infinite. That's very fascinating. See, the only way in which... Ooh, that's very fascinating, because you can have infinite decimals, right? What is the factual location of that on a graph, that infinite number? Where would it truly reside? It's a very fascinating question. <laughs> let's Let's discuss some... Initially, I was going to say that perhaps it's an indication of a type of uh, knowledge being missed out upon or something like that. What were they relating this to again? Oh, they were, they were relating this to the idea that time is not flowing. Hmm. So this gets into definition. If an integer has... Um, infinite decimals, then we can assume that what we are actually observing is a, new, a number in a different dimension, and that's why we're unable to um, gain full accuracy or scope inside of the dimension viewed at, because if you had the, the infinite nines, that means you're either... Hmm... You know, my main's going two places. Either aspirational subdimension or a misconstrued um, superdimension. It's the first time I've used the word, word superdimension as far as relevant to the dimension above or below. Now, I'll say subdimension, but superdimension. I'm enjoying that. New word. Let's Let's go. So, <clears throat> super dimension, anyway, so, uh, basically, yeah, so it must be one of those two, so if we run that through the, the old mental ringer, um, I think what we can decide is that, yeah, I mean, it, it must be the case, it must be the case, because, for instance, that's actually the issue with um, how we talk about things, like going um, back to the past. All that needs to be applied um, is a type of either energy or something. It's fascinating. So anyway, that, that that's my conclusion on it. That we're looking at one of those two. It's a it's just a it's a dimensional phenomenon, and we don't really get into dimensions enough. Um, because is there a dimension in which there's a past, present, and a future? Yes, but it's completely subject to other dimensions that we enact on with, with simple ease. Design. If you look at um, a two-dimensional graphic, you know, um, the designs on that graphic are um, navigating both past, present, and future based on the whim of uh, the designer, you know. Uh, and I don't even think only humans are capable of, of doing this type of thing. Animals do it all the time. They're, the past, present, and future, uh, the experience and, and um, 
the complexity of what memory, I'm just jumping all over the place, the complexity of what memory and, and DNA provide is, um, is, um, is awesome. So, yeah, no, um, we're going to have to get into an understanding. These guys are, they got their name Quantum Magazine, but... You know, they get it in a way that I don't get, so I'd love to sit down and chat with them about, you know, some more of this stuff. But, uh, definitely, hey, I think you're, you're looking at, you're looking at, um, you're, you're starting to ask the right questions. I might, hopefully I get a chance to read the rest of that, that article there. Um, thanks for chatting with me, guys. That's, that's my little, that's my little breakdown for the day. What's up, you guys? Welcome back for part two. I should start telling you at the end of part one that it's going to be a part two, but I also don't know that I'm going to make a part two until I remember that I do want to make a part two because I want to be able to have the, the mid-roll, the little section in the middle where it's a break. That's how the professionals do it. Anyway, so for the second part, we're going to be talking about um, another article I read where um, they, they were having some sort of conflict with... Um, let me go to the title of it so I can just... Symmetries... And uh, the title of the article is Symmetries and Quantum Error Correction. And then they also go into some, uh, some talk about quantum gravity. I love, I, love, um, I love that, how that sounds, quantum gravity. And then um, what else did they talk about? Um, yeah, so very fascinating stuff, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, let's start with the idea that they call um, computers... Um, you know, like the, the, the base of code, you know, uh, and computer um, engineering is, you know, these logic, uh, logic and logic boards, you know, and I took a, took a, I took one logic class somewhere in my, it was a philosophy class, though, which is fascinating. Uh, I didn't like it, though. I didn't pay much attention. I didn't like it, but, um, you know, I mean, I paid enough attention. Anyway, um, but, so, I think that's why I think that's related and fascinating is because really when you get into the quantum, <laughs> a lot of it is uh, intuitive on the base of understanding how we make decisions, logic, what's going on in the brain. Because logic can be extremely complex. Usually it's not, though. It's really not that that complex. We like to think it is because the motivations and the values are not spread on the same type of um, planes depending on what's going on, especially when humans make decisions, right? Because let's say a computer is making very, uh, I mean, decisions on a very finite access, it's a very two-dimensional type of decision-making, where it's like, you know, it's really, you know, it's yes or no, and, 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 and the, and the decisions are based off of uh, a simpler, <coughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's set up simply to just be able to do some simple stuff, just many, 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 many times, but, um, 
humans, you know, we're, well, we'll have a, you know, a double yes, which is really related to, you know, um, a value which may not even be fully represented, and it's just like a, a switch that's stuck. Anyway, okay, so where am I getting to? Uh, so, to, to make, um, the idea of, um, what was it, quantum error correction intuitive, it goes directly into, um, indecisiveness for me. Quantum error correction, see, what we want is for, uh, what we're going to need is, mechanisms in which, and there's mechanical applications to this too, mechanisms in which computers can engage in the type of behaviors that we do, which is being indecisive, which is kind of the the basis of a um, quantum computer, but it needs to be able to, to um, also not live with the, the problems that we have. And that is how to take action in the midst of seeming indecision, you know, which is an imbalance of data. Now, what's fascinating is that they, they got into a lot of different things about why that shouldn't be possible, why, why, just the conflicts therein. And uh, intuitively, you think about solving that issue, then they're talking about quantum gravity also. What we don't think about, I think, in visualizing and, again, making intuitive some of these mathematics is that um, just like um, these quantum computers, you know, we've been doing this for ages out here, humans, we take action all the time. Do we know what we're doing? Sometimes. There are some people crippled more or less by the, uh, the weight of their of the weight of the data and the logic in their brains and, and the conflict therein of having to make a decision, yes. But how are we able to do it? It's because we have an overriding um, quantum gravity that is, one, pulling us to um, the model of the three-dimensional reality that we have experienced in our life, which is also why we find it hard to break um, habits, good or bad, because, you know, the gravity of a, an already existing experience is, especially if that is, um, entangled or further complicated by other, um, you know, traumatic values, which again are just quantum gravities, traumatic moments, um, then, uh, you know, the to, to varying degrees, but overwhelmingly, we act fairly decently as humans because our experience is of being fairly decent. We have experience of eating, so there's a lot of um, gravity there along the lines of understanding how to keep ourselves alive and just very many basic things. Even if you're, even if you're suffering from all types of, um, you know, like. Um, clinical even, or just situational traumas, uh, most of the basic stuff, you're, you're not, doesn't really get affected by, um, that stuff, but then you, but, you know, depending on, you know, to the degree that they allow you to function in society, which, you know, um, it's really just about eating and sleeping. If you eat and sleep when you're supposed to, people will give you a pass on about 80% of everything else. 
Um, yeah, if you don't even eat and sleep when you're supposed to, then, anyway, <laughs> I was going to say maybe you start getting crazy or something like that, but, um, anyway, so, and that is interesting too, you know, the, the, the crazy, the, because we don't want computers to feel as though they're crazy, and that gets into also uh, another factor thinking about quantum gravity, which is the macro state. So there is, uh, we call it sort of intuition, but with all the gravities, the experiential and then the, those hardwired via DNA, you know, into certain aspects of what we're doing and then our own disciplines. Um, we also then and then whatever situational current present things that are going on right now and you can think about that in you know present three dimensional ways and then your your present higher dimensional super dimensional ways um those all have an effect in um creating an overall state which your body your brain is more than able to into it and it determines mannerisms, actions, and a lot of other things, and to become aligned allows for action, 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 you want to be taking action, which is why most of us deviate only barely, and um, uh, certain things like protests even can um, really throw a hinge in the way that we're thinking about the world, but again, we don't want either humans to think about themselves or other systems that have conflicting, um, we don't ever want those systems to think about themselves as crazy. They need a metric for being able to look at just about any state and be able to determine the rationale of the macro and um, really judge it against, you know, instead of a program, you could almost say that quantum computers need disciplines. And this is me musing on the topic and... Um, uh, I hope it's been fun for you. I don't want to go too much into it because, you know, it's just like one little article that I read and creating a few thought experiments off of that and then sharing that with you. So, thank you for listening to me as I talk about these awesome sciences and stuff that I'm reading in articles. And I hope that you will continue yourself to have a blessed day and um, talk to you soon. This is Kinyo HQ.